Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm KW Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And today we're discussing the current season of Stranger Things, the book The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and audiobooks and podcasts in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yes. everyone has been talking about Stranger Things lately. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still on season three. But season four just came out, and okay. I would I would love to hear your take on it. Yes. So I am recording this prior to having watched the finale of the season, but I am already spoiled for it. I won't spoil our audience for it, though, however. Okay. But I've been saving that finale to watch on like a weekend night because it's movie length and I really wanted to be able to, you know, savor it. And I didn't want the season to end, so I was trying not to watch it too fast. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like... It's been such a long wait. So Mm -hmm. some little bit of a background. Stranger Things is on Netflix, and it first came out in 2016. And every season has been amazing. And it's a mix of science fiction and horror, kind of a mashup of Stephen King and Steven Spielberg sorts of things. And it's set in the 80s. So it's got a lot of nostalgia factor. And it just hits a lot of really... I don't know, cozy notes for me, even though it's like scary, like it's really scary and upsetting and people die and it's sad. Mm -hmm. And yet I find it very cozy and comforting. And I don't know why other than (laughs) I was a kid at that. Like I am younger than the kids would be if they were adults now by a little bit, but not by much. So a lot of the things just resonate with me visually and in terms of the soundtrack and you know, at their age, I well, and I'm still reading a lot of Stephen King. And, you know, have always watched a lot of Steven Spielberg's sci fi movies. And yeah, it just like really, and I'm a big like Winona Ryder fan. I've always thought she was great. Mm -hmm. So it just like, it's like they put me in a lab and like, shook out (laughs) what I would want in a TV show. And this came out. So huge fan. Love it. So yeah. And but the thing was that COVID really, really delayed the release and the production of season four. Like season three came out in July of 2019. And season four did not drop until May 27th, 2022. So you're saying you're still watching season three, I dropping into season four without a rewatch, I was like, I have almost no memory of season three. Yeah, that is a long time. It's a very long time. And a lot happened in the world in between. So yeah. So I'm just going to go with it. And like, I think when I'm finished with the finale of season four, I am going to probably do a full rewatch. Oh, wow. I've been wanting to anyway. And, you know, just maybe casually and stuff. But but yeah, and even last night, I was gaming and listening to all of the score soundtracks. And it was really, (laughs) it was just so nice. (laughs) It's I'm probably very messed up that I find such a scary show to be so cozy but i do i don't know i don't i don't think so it's got would you say it's got there's there's still a sense of family both literal and friendship as family yeah and there is a lot of comedy or at least lighthearted moments Mm -hmm. and some things also could be pulled out of an 80s teen comedy like there's there's a lot of different tones to it so it's not like every single minute is just scary 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 right you know what i mean yeah i think yeah i think 
one of the reasons it's so popular is people get attached to the characters. So yeah, I can absolutely see that. Yeah. Um, the characters are a huge draw. So like, I, I'm going to give just the barest outline of like the basic setup for the whole series, but then focus on season four a little bit. So in this show, which takes place mostly in a fictional town in Indiana, I think season season one starts out in 1983, and in season four, we're up to 1986. And usually the seasons take place either in the summertime or over Halloween, which I feel like both times of the year are so perfect for setting this kind of like text in. Because I think summertime for kids is a season where you're free and mm -hmm. like you're out of school. And so you get into mischief and weird things <laughs> and you get very preoccupied with investigating any weird little thing in your small town. And then Halloween obviously is Halloween. So yep. both times of the year are just perfect for that. And basically it's a set of friends and they do have their parents in the shows too. And they're in the same D&D &D group. And in season one, they discover this girl who's escaped from a lab who has telepathic and telekinetic powers. And she's been raised in this really weird environment with this creepy mad scientist guy. And there's creatures that seem similar to things that are in D&D &D that start to appear in their small town. There's an alternate universe known as the Upside Down. And it's a lot of like kids fighting monsters, basically. Would you say that's kind of the good short version? Yes, that's accurate. Okay. okay. <laughs> in season four, several of the kids have relocated from Hawkins, Indiana to California. And they are including the girl with special powers, who's named Eleven, which was her number in the lab. And uh, she goes by Jane in, like, normie life, I guess. <laughs> I think that is actually her birth name, is okay. Jane. But her friends still call her L, short for Eleven. And so she's finally doing a little bit better, but she's getting bullied at school, Aww. in her new school. And she's being raised by Winona Ryder's character, Joy Spires and lives with Joyce's two sons and um, is trying to be adjusted at school. And it's very, very hard being away from her boyfriend, Mike, who's still back in Hawkins. And she also does not, at the beginning of season four, she does not have her powers. So she's trying to just navigate life as a normal teen. And it's really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And back in Hawkins, though, several kids have started to go missing and then turn up murdered in really, really gruesome ways. And people start investigating this potential serial killer. And one D&D &D kid at school gets pinned, the murders get pinned on him, even though he has nothing to do with it. And it's really that there's this strange creature in the Upside Down who's doing it, who resembles a character from their D&D &D campaign. Uh -huh. And he's very, very upsetting and super scary and gross looking. And it's he sort of haunts kids' minds and finds something in their memory that they regret or they feel like they were guilty of and exploits it in order to, like, torture them with it emotionally and then kill them. Oh, man. So it's, yeah, it's super gross. And then kind of the third plot is that Sheriff Hopper, who is played by David Harbour, has gone missing and has turned up in a... Soviet prison camp, like in Siberia. And so Joyce and um, Hopper's friend Murray go to the USSR to rescue Hopper. So you've got three storylines going, one in California, one in Indiana, and one in 
one in Soviet Russia. <laughs> and they all are kind of related, but they're each kind of their own thing. And I'm sure in the season finale, they're going to dovetail. And each one is really, I'm not as lo in love with the Russian plot. It's yeah. kind of bleak and gross. But the storylines that are sort of merging to unite the crew in California with the crew in Indiana are really good. And you've got sets of kids in each place. But as always, it's a lot about the relationships between the characters. And some of my favorite characters, I really like Joyce, who's played by Winona Ryder, mm -hmm. and Hopper, who's again played by David Harbour. Eleven, played by Millie Bobby Brown, is great. And she she really straddles that line between being somebody who doesn't understand modern society because she was so hidden from it and being extremely smart and intuitive and stuff. And I want to give another little shout out to Steve Harrington, played by Joe Keery, <laughs> who in season one was like this stupid jock. And over time, he became like the teen dad, basically, of the younger <laughs> kids in the group. And he's just amazing. And also Robin Buckley, who's played by Maya Hawke, who's his friend and frequent co-worker. And um, she, in re real life, Maya Hawke is the daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. And she has totally inherited her parents' acting chops and is <laughs> consistently fantastic. And also Murray Bauman, played by Brett Gelman. He has really grown on me. He was in seasons two and three, but not as a regular. And this season, even though I'm not loving the Russia plot, he is really funny and uh, has just grown on me. He's like an eccentric conspiracy theorist and private eye and is just crazy. And okay. watching him and Joyce, Joyce is so kind of strong, but meek and like as a very tiny person and them as like this duo of investigators is kind of <laughs> humorous in a weird way. Yeah. So that sounds fun. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Like I, I don't want to say too much more without spoiling uh, the music is beautiful. It's composed by Michael Stein and Kyle Dixon, and it's all synthwave and very era appropriate. Season four has this recurrent thing about music being a means of saving people emotionally. And so mm. there's a motif of Kate Bush's running up that hill has been climbing the charts in real life because of its use in this season. And it's very appropriate. And there is an episode where that is more prominent, which will make you very emotional. Like it's not sad, it's scary, but then sweet and satisfying, but it's very stressful. Mm -hmm. And it's a very good use of that song. So cool. yeah, it's probably the best season so far. There's a couple little weak spots, but you know, with such an epic story, and they several of the episodes are over 90 minutes long. Um, I think they were trying to tell a bigger story since it's been so absent from our pop culture landscape for so long. Mm -hmm. And I think I would have preferred maybe more traditional length episodes for most of the season, because some of them did feel a little, I don't know, expanded more than they needed to be. Yeah. Yeah, those can get pretty long. Yeah. But yeah, I think if you're enjoying season three, just slide right into season four. And the only thing that's going to jar you is how, how much the teens have aged in a second. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that the, my favorite thing about season three so far is Robin, Steve, and Dustin. Yes. Like sharing one brain cell and trying to figure out the Russian <laughs> radio station that's been broadcasting. Yes. Robin yes. has the brain cell most of the time. Most of the time, but not, not always. <laughs> 
Yes, they are the comedy trio I didn't know I needed. And that does kind of continue in season four. But okay. since the stakes are a little higher, it's they're not always just the three of them. But uh, yeah, that was a very fun thing. There's been a meme going around of like, I would just watch Steve and Robin have weird summer jobs that they can't do and nothing <laughs> scary happens as like a little sitcom that I would. Yeah. In season four, they're working at a video store. And okay. there's some in season three, they're working at the was it the ice cream parlor at the mall? Yes. Scoops Ahoy. Yes. <laughs> i think they're working at a family video in season four so okay. yeah nice but yeah it's just i don't know i don't know why it's wholesome but it's one of those things too that when when high stakes things happen to characters it's so devastating so that's another reason i have a little bit put off the finale but now that i got spoiled for it at least i'm not going in emotionally unfortified so that's true yeah yeah well, I'm glad you're enjoying it, and Thank if you finish it this weekend, I hope it's everything you wanted and more. Thank you. <laughs> but you have been listening to an audiobook that mm-hmm. I was intrigued by, but I'm very on the fence if I want to either read or listen to this, so should I? That's totally fair, because I... Okay, so everyone has at least heard of The Hunger Games, and it was a very self-contained trilogy. Mm-hmm. I think the last book came out in 2010. Mm-hmm. And then in 2020, this prequel was announced. And first, everyone was excited. And then we heard it was about Coriolanus Snow, who's the president and the villain in the original trilogy. And we were like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Is this necessary? And I do, I do just want to say that I got the title wrong last week (laughs) it's called the ballad of songbirds and snakes and i called it the ballad of snakes and songbirds but it's listed both ways on goodreads so i got confused (laughs) okay fair totally fair yeah but the the title is very true to the book It, it it deals with a lot of themes that are in the book and i really like that yeah okay so i wrote a little review of of this on goodreads because i finished it last week and no, I don't think it was completely necessary, but by the end of the book, I really had enjoyed the experience and I thought it ended in a really good way. The last hour especially, I was like, I was driving home from my parents and the last hour I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? What is going <laughs> to happen? <laughs> Just in the car to myself. Uh, <laughs> and I do think... This is probably very skewed by my own view of Suzanne Collins, but I really do trust her as an author. I think she knows what she's doing. And I think, you know, if if I'm going to pick any author to write a prequel about a villain, I think I'm going to pick Suzanne Collins. So I think she did it justice. Okay. I picked it up because I heard they were making it into a movie. Uh-huh. So I kind of wanted to see what it was about before the movie comes out, which is supposed to be late next year Mm -hmm. so yeah it is about Coriolanus when he's 18 17 or 18 and it's reaping day he lives in the capital he lives with his grandma and his cousin Tigris which I don't know if you remember Tigris from the first series no she's the costume lady who oh like lets Katniss and her friends her rebel friends stay in her basement okay so the fact that they were related was like wait what (laughs) okay 
Okay. It puts that into a different perspective when you go back and read Mockingjay. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. But the Snow family has kind of fallen on hard times. They had a lot of money in District 13, which was obliterated by nuclear war. And that effectively ended the war between the districts and the capital, which is what led to the Hunger Games. And it's been 10 years, so it's this is the 10th iteration of the Hunger Games. It opens up on Reaping Day. And one of the things that I thought was really cool, because I'm really into world building, mm-hmm. the original series takes place during the 74th and 75th Hunger Games. So this is 65 years in the future, in the past. <laughs> <laughs> so you really get to see how the games changed over time. Oh, okay. Because in in the original series, they're very advanced. Like they've got cameras everywhere, hidden in trees and all this stuff. And the the contestants don't even know like where the cameras are, but you could see them at every point in the arena. And like the arena's been built and designed with different obstacles and, you know, animals that are gonna kill them or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Back in the 10th Hunger Games, they've been using the same arena for 10 years. And it's just, it it's basically a stadium. Oh, okay. And nothing is quite as advanced. So, like, you've got all the debris from previous games and stuff. But it's not like a designed area where people can go hide. I mean, they can go hide in the stadium, like in the tunnels and stuff. but it's not designed to be strategic. It's just like, this is an area that you have to kill each other in. You know, it's very Roman okay. Coliseum kind of thing. Okay. And they don't have cameras everywhere. They have basic cameras out on the field. But then if, if uh, I keep calling them contestants, but that's not the right word. <laughs> victims. Victims, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> And then if the victims go into tunnels or go hide or whatever, like the audience can't see them. Okay. So it's very primitive Uh if you want to call killing people primitive. I don't know. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the first year that they bring in Lucky Flickerman, who is Caesar Flickerman's ancestor. I don't know if it's his dad. It's probably his dad. And Caesar Flickerman was played by Stanley Tucci. He's the host of the games Mm -hmm. so they bring him in to sort of get people more engaged and describe what's happening on the on the field and everything and they also bring in this is the first year they introduce the mentor idea oh okay so before everyone was just on their own and this year because it's only been 10 years you know they've only got nine victors so in the originals everyone who's reaped gets a mentor from their who won the games from their own district yes so for katniss it's haymitch because he's the only one who's won from district 12 in a long time mm-hmm. and in this they assign mentors from coriolanus's high school class oh, okay and one of the draws for them is like if your victim went i can't <laughs> Why can't player? I remember, player? Why can't I remember what they're called? <laughs> There's like a I word. I don't know for either. Them. Player. I just listened uh... to this. 
Tribute. Tribute. Tribute is yes. what they call them. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> okay. So the draw for the high school kids is if your tribute wins, you get a free ride to college, basically. Oh, okay. And because Coriolanus doesn't have any money, he really wants to win. But he's keeping up appearances, like his family has always been rich, but now no one knows that they are no longer rich. Oh. So this is really important to him because if he doesn't get a scholarship, he can't he can't go to college. Yeah, so he gets his tribute is named Lucy Gray Baird. She's 16 and she is from District 12. So that was kind of fun. And okay, so the story is kind of split into three parts. The first part is all of the setup and like him getting Lucy Gray and mentoring her. And then the second part is the games. And the third part I'll get into in a second. But yeah, so for the first couple hours, I was just like, where's this going? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's, what this story is going to be about. But I don't think we have to get into all of the ways that he mentors Lucy. But he sort of... um Okay, I think it's really important to remember that he is not a good guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he, even though he narrates the book, I think Collins makes it pretty clear that he is exactly what I said. He's not a good guy. Okay. He thinks he's a good guy, but he does a lot of things that are very like selfish or calculating. And you're like, hmm, <laughs> I don't know about that one, buddy. And he's just very into like self-preservation and he will use people as he needs to so it's very uncomfortable because he like kind of falls in love with lucy uh. yeah and you're like hmm, <laughs> i don't know about this <laughs> <laughs> so he does some things to help her win the game so he like slips her a little case like a makeup case where and then she puts rat poison in it and that's how she gets rid of some of the other tributes during the games so he does some very like underhanded things that could possibly be viewed as cheating i guess okay and oh gosh i okay i don't want to give you too many spoilers <laughs> okay <laughs> but there is there is a character named sejanus who i really like and he is one of Coriolanus's classmates. He originally came from District 2, but he moved to the capital when he was eight because his family got really rich from munitions money. Mm -hmm. And he has a really hard time with the games because he identifies with the districts. He's just like, why are we, you know, taking their children and killing them, basically? Yeah. And I, I really liked his character. And I think there are some really, really interesting things with the class and how they develop the games because there's this character named dr gall who's in charge in charge of the games and she's like really creepy and cruel and she's really into like we have to keep these going and we have to make sure people watch them and how do we get people engaged and how do we make this like a terrible spectacle basically mm -hmm. and she takes ideas from the teenage class which is just kind of really awful 
So it's really uncomfortable to watch these rich kids being like, oh, we can have people betting on the tributes and like we can have them sending gifts. So you see the origins of like how all of this becomes so popular in the capital 65 years later. Uh, Like everything about this book is really uncomfortable, (laughs) but like in a well-written way. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. So those are, those are big points I wanted to make. And then Coriolanus and Sejanus in part three, I will, I will say that they become peacekeepers in part three. Okay. I won't tell you how that happens, but peacekeepers are essentially the police of this world Mm -hmm. and they get sent out to district 12 where you can see sort of the continuing currents of the rebellion and it's really really interesting to see coriolanus's perspective of that versus sejanus's and all of that comes to a head and (laughs) yeah like i said the last hour of this i was like so on edge i was like what (laughs) how is this gonna end i know that's gonna end badly but i don't know how (laughs) and it does it does end badly but i think it perfectly fits the theme of the novel and the feel of it it tied everything together really really well and like that's what is making me talk about it today Mm -hmm. if it had ended like an hour earlier i would have been like that was weird and not true to the original and all of that stuff but i think it was just a brilliant ending and it was horrifying in many ways i don't know if i would recommend this book to you (laughs) (laughs) i think it depends on how into the hunger games you are i'm moderately not as much as you i've enjoyed all of them i've seen i actually didn't ever finish the third book but i saw the movies okay i it was one of those things where i got spoiled for something for the final book yeah and i was feeling like this is so upsetting yeah and then when the i've seen all the movies and liked the first two and then they split that last one into two movies and it took me a long time to actually watch the very last movie and so i still feel like i experienced the whole story the first book is so good and mm-hmm. i've even taught it in classes before yeah and i think it's perfectly set up and agreed yeah and i loved the world building yeah i don't know if i would i feel like let, tell me more about its quality as an audiobook and that might make me at least like check it out of the library so right yeah okay so i do want to say if if you're on the fence at the end of this i think you are fine just waiting for the movie and Okay. Seeing what the plot line is there. Okay. But if you're into audiobooks, and I'm also talking to the general listeners here, (laughs) I do think it's worthwhile. It's narrated by Santino Fontana from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Broadway and everything. He also narrates the You books, (laughs) which I've listened (laughs) to, by (laughs) Caroline Kepneys, I think. Yeah. And that was really kind of weird because, <laughs> because you, Joe and you is so creepy and he does it so mm-hmm. well. And then I turned this on and I was like, oh. <laughs> but also, <laughs> like by the end of it, Coriolanus is also creepy. And you're like, okay, I, I get this. I get this choice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. he does a really, really good job. I think he's a great narrator. 
Mm-hmm. It's about 16 hours long, I think. Okay. And I listened to it on 1.4, I believe. So it, it didn't feel super, super long. Okay. Like some books sometimes do. Mm-hmm. I will say I have this thing. I listen to a lot of Star Wars books and Star <laughs> They feel really overproduced. Like they're always music cues and sound effects and stuff and sometimes they're just random beeping and i'm to give atmosphere and i'm like please stop with the beeping (laughs) (laughs) so i i will say this does not feel overproduced good but that's my that's where i'm coming from it's because the star wars (laughs) audiobooks feel overproduced that feels like a lot like why wow that does not make me want to listen to any of those no i would not recommend i mean they're good but it's it's like too much and i'm like i i gotta stop this right now So yeah, I think it's it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Are there any audiobook particular things you were looking for for me to talk about? Well, with audiobooks, yeah, I don't love I don't love overproduction. Like you don't need to have sound effects in my opinion. Yeah. But a little bit of music I think sometimes can help. And it's almost also like you gotta be careful the other way with an audiobook that might be underproduced. I started listening to a version of The Great Gatsby one day. And I had to stop because it was like unedited. Like the person, I mean, we take out our ums and uhs and some some pauses or moments when we sound stupid. Like they hadn't (laughs) done any of that. Oh, like, yeah. And it was narrated by someone with a feminine sounding voice. And that book is from the perspective of a man. So that took me out too. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need this version. Like this <laughs> poor yeah. choices all around. So I feel like you need a little you need light production of yes. like, you know, a nice intro outro and making sure that it's properly edited so your narrator doesn't sound dumb. That's that's really all I'm looking for. Yeah, that's fair. And this is professionally produced, so it's yes. it's fine. Good. There are no <laughs> weird pauses or ums or stumbling over words or anything. Okay. Okay. I feel like there was there was a nonfiction book that I listened to years ago, and it was read by the author who was a, like known for oration and whatnot, and so he was fine. But mm-hmm. I, you could hear his pages turning every <laughs> once in a while, <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, how don't we move beyond that? But secondly, like, oh my goodness, someone should have absolutely caught that. It yeah. just seemed kind of like I don't know, amateurish, but. Yeah, even though it was professionally done. So I think also with an audiobook production, it's so long that maybe mm-hmm. some of those little bits do sneak through. So yeah. you've got to make sure it is well edited. Yeah, I imagine it's very hard to do. But this one was nice. It was. It sounded very good. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Do you listen to audiobooks regularly? Um, I listened to a lot more when I had an even longer commute than mm-hmm. I do now. And I always think I'm going to listen to them when I go running. And I always turn to podcasts instead because I want a little bit more variety. Yeah. But I do like them. And I, I've heard so many that have been so good. The entire Dark Tower series by Stephen King had amazing narrators. And it was beautifully done and perfect. And I never read any of the books in book form, and it was all audio. And I feel like it was it was really perfect for that. I one of my favorite audiobook productions was Martha Plimpton reading Diary by Chuck Palahniuk, and that's another book where I've never actually 
read Reddit and I almost don't want to because her performance was so perfect. And like some funny ones, like I like when comedians write novels or write a book of comedic essays and then read it. Steve Martin had a couple of novels that he narrated himself and those were very charming and well done. Okay. So, you know, I like some I like some short ones that, you know, get you through it in about eight hours max. So mm -hmm. that's kind of few and far between. But a good long series where you can dig deeply into it, that can be great too. So yeah. honestly, Stephen King always chooses great narrators. I don't love the ones that he narrates himself because he doesn't have the greatest narration voice, but even those are, he does an okay job for not being a voice actor, but yeah. the ones that he has somebody else narrate always makes good choices. Cool. So I think if you like trust an author, check out who is narrating the audiobook version. And if there's some consistent quality there, you can probably assume that the whole series is well done or find an actor you like and see if they've done audiobooks. This is a dumb thing, but just the other day I was like, you know who has a great voice is David Duchovny. And I was like, let me see if he's ever narrated an audiobook because I knew we were doing this segment. Yeah. I look and he's yes, but most of them are things he's written himself. Okay. And he is a novelist and his novels are not as well reviewed as would persuade <laughs> me to listen to them. I did not know he wrote novels. Yes, he's got a master's in English lit and oh. uh, is also a up and coming novelist. I don't know. They're just not getting or the one that got a good review was about baseball and it didn't sound super compelling to me, okay. but I may give it a shot. I don't know. If he wrote something slightly different, I might be more curious, but I'm not such a big fan that I'm going to like worry about this right yeah, now. That's, so. that's fair. I was just thinking about like, he's got a really nice voice. I bet he would do this well. And maybe, maybe listening to them is better than reading them. I don't know. But yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I think that's always a fun thing to do is say, is there an actor I liked? Have they narrated audiobooks? Yes. See if there's something out there. But I think um, Santino is a neat choice for that because he has played some villains in his TV and movie th roles, but he's also played really nice guys too. So I think the fact that this character has to be more nuanced like that is that makes him a good choice. So yes, agreed. That's cool. Yeah. And I, I second what you said about actors who have done. Mm -hmm. audio. I feel like more of them are getting into audiobooks. But Ajoa Ando, who is from Bridgerton, mm -hmm. did some of the ancillary series by Anne Leckie. Oh, OK. And she was very good. I listened to the first one a while ago, and there was a different narrator for that who couldn't continue, so they brought Ajoa in. And uh -huh. I think since then, Ajoa has gone back and done the first one, but I'm not sure. But both of them were very good. Okay. And then I also like Rosamund Pike has done some Jane Austen books. <laughs> oh, I bet she would be really good at that. Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet, but she redid the first Wheel of Time book since she stars in the series. Oh, cool. But she has a really good voice for that, too. Yeah. Well, and the uh, Jim Butcher's Dresden Files books narrated by James Marsters. Right. I got the first book on audio because he narrated it and then fell in love with that whole series. <laughs> and I know there was one book that he couldn't do because of scheduling and they had John Glover do it. But then James has gone back and re-recorded that, which kind okay. of disappointed me. Because I think, well, John Glover is also very good yeah. and I think has a similar voice. So, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. 
I think audio, I mean, audiobooks are reading. I come yes. down on that side very clearly. I think anybody debating that is being classist, elitist, ableist, like there's different modalities for different purposes, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think too, like a really long novel that's like huge, like a big epic fantasy might feel intimidating to sit and read. And if you have it narrated to you by somebody you like who's doing a good job and you dip in and out of it, like that's maybe more manageable for some people and that's okay. Yeah, I agreed. And it, you know what? It took me a long time to get into audiobooks. Mm -hmm. And now I almost always have one going. Mm -hmm. My my big problem is like when I finish a good one, I'm like, oh gosh, what do I read next? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I think... It is very dependent on the narrator. Mm -hmm. If you've tried some before and they haven't quite connected with you, I think, yeah, absolutely go find an actor you like mm -hmm. and see if they've done some audiobooks. Because, it, yeah, there's some books that I've put down because I'm like, no, I, I can't do this voice or it just mm -hmm. doesn't feel like how I expected it to feel or something. And I've picked it up in print instead. Mm -hmm. So that makes a big difference. And I think, too like ease into it mm -hmm. <laughs> you're going on a 14 hour drive you don't have to listen to it the whole way no yeah you can do like do it while you're washing dishes listen to it while you're going on a walk do half an hour at a time yeah and if it gets a little bit overwhelming like put it down mm -hmm. because sometimes yeah sometimes i'm not in the right mindset so i'm like i have this has been playing for 10 minutes and i haven't caught a word of it <laughs> so it's it's not the right time to listen yeah and then the other thing is take advantage of the speed settings mm -hmm. audiobook narrators tend to be kind of slow so you can understand everything yeah but sometimes it's just too slow and so i usually pump it up to 1.2 or 1.4 Mm -hmm. One of my cousins listens on like 2.0, which I think is too fast. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they can be really expensive, but I don't, I usually don't buy audiobooks. So yeah. definitely take advantage of your local library mm -hmm. because they will have a ton, I promise. Yes. And they have usually the Overdrive or the Libby app you can download right onto your phone mm -hmm. and you can control the speed from there. And it's it's amazing. I mm -hmm. love it so much and I put so many books on hold and then they all come <laughs> in at once and I'm like, I can't listen to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so don't don't sleep on your local library. That's right. I I get the majority of them that way, but I do sometimes buy them, especially if it's not super expensive. And mm -hmm. I will say that one problem with buying them that you don't have when you're checking them out or borrowing or renting them or whatever is that then you get no incentive to be quick about it. So I've been listening yeah. to the same one for a long time because I bought it. And it is, I probably should do what you're saying and speed it up because part of the problem is that it's a really interesting, it's a really well written book. And I don't even hate the narrator, but he is very slow and his voice is very <laughs> gentle. And yeah. it's like, unless I want to listen to it when I'm falling asleep and get none of the content, right. I need to probably speed it up. I will say, too, that a bad audiobook version is why I don't like Dune. Okay. I don't like Dune. And the problem that I didn't realize at the time was that I was listening to, I had an old job where I did data entry, and so I would listen to a lot of audiobooks. And this was pre-smartphone. 
So I had a little tape deck at work and I had a little disc man mm-hmm. and I had checked it out of the library on CD and it was really slow, but also I didn't realize there was something wrong with my disc man that oh. it was a little bit slower even than that. Oh. So Dune is not a very long book and yet it took me like a week or two to get through it <laughs> because it was like I don't know, 45 or 50 hours or something awful. And it just made me hate the whole book. And I was like, why are people obsessed with this? This is the most (laughs) boring thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, that's too bad. But (laughs) I do think some books like, uh, I don't know how to phrase this, but there are some books that I need to read in print. Uh Uh-huh. It's just like a completely different experience than listening to it. I mean, there's something very, very comforting about listening to it. But sometimes I'm just like, this is not the book to listen to. This is a book I need to like read the words and take it slow and all that stuff. Yeah. And I do, I will add, even though, you know, we kind of hate Amazon. If if you (laughs) buy a Kindle book... Mm -hmm. Like, I, I get some on sale. They send me this daily thing, like, here are the books on sale. And I'm like, I hate you because <laughs> I want all of these books. But if you buy a book for, like, $1.99 when it's on sale, mm-hmm. a lot of times they will give you a discount on the audiobook. Mm-hmm. And, like, sometimes they're still expensive. And sometimes it's like, add the audiobook for seven forty nine. And I'm like, yeah, I will get both versions <laughs> for $10. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, if you do want to buy some audiobooks, that might be a good way to do it. But local libraries, a good place to look, always. Yes, always check there first, for sure. And then you've got it on your phone, and it's just really easy. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we were going to also discuss podcasts a little bit, but I feel like maybe let's save that for another episode. I think it'll be interesting to get into podcasts versus audiobooks, because you listen to more podcasts, and I listen to more audiobooks. Yes, yes. But we'll save that. (laughs) Yes, we will save that. If you want to read The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, you can check out your local library. Or (laughs) if you remember half an hour ago, we were talking about Stranger Things. (laughs) And you want to watch Stranger Things, that is available on Netflix. That's right. And next week, we're going to discuss the Disney Plus series, Ms. Marvel, which we promised you several weeks ago, but we're finally going to get to it (laughs) next week, as well as the Netflix series, Emily in Paris. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me at Carrie Gessner. And you can find the show on Twitter at Podcast. You can find our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com. And from there, you can find the link to the merch store. And our email is PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. And please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.